Yo, and welcome into week nine of pre-gaming the SEC. Jacob Pastor, Chris Doring back with you. Week number nine, CD. I can't believe how fast it's going by. You're already fully into pumpkin spice latte season, and we are starting yes. to figure out who is who. Oh, it's, it's actually over with. What? Pumpkin spice season's over with? I mean, it's almost over with. We're uh, going into Halloween week here almost. So like literally we're we're about to be on to like uh what sugar cookie lattes and stuff. Ah, like, that's true. That's true. Uh the Christmas kind of themed. We just forget about Thanksgiving, but that's a whole different subject on maybe a different podcast. I just remember I just remember Alyssa a- sending the video of you enjoying the what was it? It wasn't don't, cold don't, don't cream try to paint something. Me, yeah, don't try to paint me with that PSL. I, I'm I'm <laughs> Much more sophisticated than a just basic yeah. PSL. I, I, uh, that was the uh, pumpkin cream cold brew with the delicious foam on top. Um, if I could share that video through this podcast, and <laughs> actually, I think we kind of, hmm, I don't know, it's a personal video, but we could put it on our YouTube if we get to a certain amount of likes. How about that? Yeah. that that's right, really yeah. what we got to do. If we big turp will come in, and if we get to a certain amount of watches, likes, subscribes, whatever you got to do, and all that jazz. We'll put that out there. What would you describe it as? Like, I guess in my mind, it's kind of like when a baby tastes something he likes for the first time and then just can't get enough of it. That's, you know, I'm trying to lick every little crevice to get the. I don't know that I can even here on in podcast form on on Sirius XM, on (laughs) Spotify, YouTube, whatever. I don't think that I can give the description of what you did to that drink. (laughs) Dominated that drink. All right, so like we always do, we go through it, we go hold my beer, we go last call, we go pre-gaming the SEC, because after all, that's why we're here, is to pre-game, and later on in the show, very excited to pre-game with us, we're going to have former Georgia quarterback now doing big things in the media, snaps on volume with our guy T-Bob, also you can catch him on the calls on ESPN, got one this week, I think he's calling the UTEP Sam Houston game as we speak, Aaron Murray is going to join us, so very excited for that, because a game we're going to spend a lot of time talking about once we get into it is Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida. Where are we going with here? It's Florida, Georgia. I mean, everyone knows it's Florida, Georgia, but the, the Georgia folks will try to, to to sell you that it's Georgia, Florida. Either way, it's a special week. And, um, you know, this this uh, this one's been a little more anticipated by the Florida stand, uh, Florida fan base. Just watching what what happened after they come from behind win over South Carolina. Uh, a lot of people feeling pretty optimistic about the Gators chances to go over and be competitive. I don't know if they feel optimistic about getting a win, but right. You know, I think the matchup looks at least more manageable than it has in the last two seasons. We'll get into it a little bit later on, obviously when we pregame, but I will say this from afar, I feel like there's some things Florida can do well in that game. And I know maybe you're not ready to go there just yet. Maybe we're not calling for an upset or an outright victory, but I do think there's things that they do well in that game. And it's still Florida. And Florida's five and two. Let's not forget that. They're five and two. They're not two and five. They're five and two. And yeah. they lost to a really good Utah team that just beat USC on the road last week. And they lost to a Kentucky team that was as dialed in as they've been all season long. And you ran into kind of a perfect storm there in Lexington. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's it's a, a team that I saw some more energy on the sidelines of that had a lot more fight. You know, they're down 10 with five minutes to go and find a way to win. Uh, it's a team that now seems like they're more apt to throw the ball down the field, which I think you have to do if you're going to beat Georgia and take advantage of this defense. You have to hit explosive plays against them. And I think, you know, this is a, a team maybe more than anything needed to have confidence in themselves. And I think that win against South Carolina went a long way for that too. 
All right, let's go ahead and get into the hold my beer portion of pre-gaming the SEC CD. As any good host, I'm going to allow you to go first. Yeah, it, it's been um, kind of an up and down year with me and the Alabama fans. I've been critical at times. I think sometimes they've been uh, deserving of, of criticism. And maybe the first half of that ball game against Tennessee was one of those times. Or maybe we need to give credit to the Vols because the Vols were fantastic from the get-go. You know, you look at what Joe Milton was able to do, nine of nine on his first nine throws of the day. The receivers were catching the football. They put up 187 yards of total offense in the first quarter alone. And they go to the, the halftime locker room 13 points down. And Alabama comes out immediately, grabs the uh, the, the second half kickoff, two plays, 41 seconds, your, your 75-yard drive for a touchdown. And then the defense gets a three and out. They take control of that side. And you got uh, the momentum clearly on your sideline. So it, yeah. it's not Joe Milton. It's not necessarily, you know, Dallas Turner. It, it's a it's a it's a team effort. And I thought that that 27-0 run is worthy of a hold my beer acknowledgement because they were uh, they were struggling. And that uh, I thought I thought the SEC shorts, I don't know if you saw that SEC short this week, but I thought they not did yet. a good job. Check it out. There, there, uh, there's some some teams holding the first half Alabama hostage, yeah. and then second half <laughs> Alabama shows up, and yeah. uh, he's the big brother for sure. First half for Alabama offensively: punt, punt, fumble, punt, touchdown, interception. End of half. Come back in the second half: touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, punt, punt. But as you can tell. They had much more momentum, including, you know, a turnover on defense. And so it looked completely different than it did in the first half. And I probably would have gone there if you didn't, CD, as far as hold my beer. Oh, you thought that's who we were in the first half? Yeah. No, 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 no. Hold my beer. We'll show you is, exactly who we are. Is is Alabama uh, Edward Norton in the first half and, and Brad Pitt in the second half? Is it Tyler Durden? I mean, <laughs> it, it feels like that's what it is. Oh, I love a little Fight Club reference. Yeah. I mean, that, that, at least in that ball game, it felt like, you know, that it, it's a tale of two different halves. And it's kind of been yeah. the story of the whole season. I mean, think about, you know, being, being down against Texas A&M, um, you know, struggling uh, in the, in the South Florida game. Um, they, they definitely have showed resiliency. They've shown some, some real uh, vulnerabilities, but they've yeah. also shown a great, great quality of, of fighting back and, and, and not panicking, which I think uh, goes a long way. I think that's a great comp. I think, Big Turp, you need to clip that and make sure that comp gets out there on the interwebs, on social media, because I kind of agree with you. And I don't know if you just watched Fight Club. We're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, but since you did, I actually like the comp. <laughs> I, I think it was probably inspired by that SEC short. You got to check those guys out. They do a great job. But definitely uh, uh, very reminiscent of uh, two different, totally uh, different personalities for sure. Oh, man, that's great. My 14-year-old beg, begging me to watch Fight Club, begging. And I told him, if you go undefeated in middle school football, I'll allow you to watch Fight Club. They went undefeated in middle school football. Now it's the only thing he talks about. Oh, you still haven't shown it to him yet? No, I let him. I let him. Look, oh, he hey, hey, all we have is our word. And so yeah. there's probably people listening right now that might be judging me. But, hey, I told him something. I didn't think it would come true. It came true, and I got to stick to the well, word. I promise you there's nobody judging you for letting your 14-year-old <laughs> that's listening to this podcast. If there that's is, fair. double birds to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. And I also love the team that I'm about to talk about and hold my beer. Oh, you think that 
we're a cute team. You think that we're just a team that's going to be here at the beginning of the season. You think that we're going to go away. Okay, well, hold my beer. Watch what we can do. And I'm talking about, you probably already guessed it, the Missouri Tigers. 34 to 12 over South Carolina. And I'm going to be honest, like the score was what even that probably close. not indicative yeah. of what that game was. It was a beatdown. Eli Drinkwitz, who's one of our favorite coaches in this profession, has really found something. Kirby Moore, Blake Baker, two of the best up-and-coming offense and defensive coordinators, I think, personally, in the country. And they are really putting their players in position to succeed. Brady Cook, right? I mean, look, 15-25, 205 and a touchdown because that's what the game called for. This game also called for Cody Schrader to get behind a really good offensive front right now and run 26 times for 159 and a couple of scores. Like, this is a complete team, CD. Look at the receivers, five, six, two, two, as far as catches, right? Not a lot of receivers, but they're spreading the wealth. They've got three dudes, and they got a running back in Schrader, and they are dangerous. And, I, man, I love what Blake's doing on the other side. And full disclosure, I'm friends with Blake Baker, and so I could say, yeah, he's just talking about, you know, his friend. If he wasn't my friend, if he was my worst enemy, I would praise Blake Baker for what he's doing in this Missouri job. Remember how bad they were defensively yeah. before he got there last year. Yeah. CD. Literally uh, overnight turnaround uh, from, from one year to the next and what he's been able to do. And let's not forget, I mean, we're going to be pre-game, pre-gaming this week, but the next week we'll be pre-gaming a game that'll take uh, place in Athens that will rematch maybe the best defensive effort than anybody had against the Bulldogs last year. The most physical yeah. matchup that, that, that Georgia had last year was Missouri, that front seven. So I'm excited about that week. I don't want to wish this week away, but uh, you're right about Blake Baker. You're right about this Missouri team as a whole too. I still think there are too many people just patting them on the head. What a cute story it is and not yep. giving them the credit they deserve about being a really good, solid all around football team. Before we go to last call, I, I want to talk about the running back and, and not because, you know, it's a position that I played. I mean, maybe some of that, but I want you to talk about Cody Schrader yeah. because he's a walk on. Yeah. That's how he got to Como. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know, but if you don't, I'm going to brag on my boy. CD was a walk on. That's how he started his Florida career. All right. What number did you start with at Florida? 42? Uh, 42 was the yeah. uh, the jersey number. Yeah. And that tells the fact that I know that you're my, you're my dog, right? I number 42. Okay. That. That's yeah. the number you started with. And you found your way onto the field. And once you got there, they couldn't take you off. And there was no scholarship player that was as good as you at the time that you were at Florida. Okay. And I love that. And I, I wasn't that, but I was a two-star recruit. So I can't even imagine what you went through to get to that, but you never complained. You went to work, you went about your business and you ended up being one of the best receivers to ever play in the sec. That's not me as your friend saying that that's the stats, the Thank stats, you. right. All right. Words, lie, numbers don't and CD still up there. And so I say all that to ask this, when you see a player like Cody Schrader, walk on bet on himself and yeah. go out there and have the success. He's almost already at a thousand yards. I know that has to mean something special to you. Yeah, it, it does. I, I really have a soft spot in my heart for for walk-ons. And it's nice to kind of see the success that a lot of these walk-ons are, are having this year. I mean, go go look at, at Florida. Uh, Willie Jackson's son, Khalil Jackson, is one of the starting wide receivers for the Gators. Mario Anderson, a guy that you know transferred from Newberry College, I guess. I guess they gave him a scholarship at some point along the way at South Carolina. But having a, a, a great year after betting on himself. But Cody Schrader... Um, to not only be a, as reliable as he has been, 
But I really feel like he gives that offense the the the, the physicality trait that they need. Like, you know, they, they have the passing game. Uh, they're able to throw the ball around. But the physical compliment that that he brings – and and not take anything away from the offensive line, Hess, because you you I there were massive holes that he was running through in route to that 149 yard performance, but I I just uh, I watched the way that that Cody Schrader finishes runs, and he finishes runs like he has something to prove, and I think that's the thing that I took away as a walk on that I'm sure he took away as a walk on is that you always are proving yourself, and once you achieve success, there's no way you're gonna let that that success yeah. get taken away from you after you've that's a great traveled point. the path that you had to travel. That is a great point. I hope our listeners caught that. They are not going to take away what I've worked so hard for. And I don't want this segment to sound like, a, oh, sure, the two-star guy and the walk-on are hating on four- and five-star guys. That's not what this is. But when you do what they've had to do to get to that position, I'll be damned if anybody's taking this. I, I So many times we talk about it. We talked about Josh Williams at LSU so many times last year and how big of a part of that team he was and that victory over Alabama for LSU, and he was a walk-on. It just – it's one of those things where you can see it in every single play out there that they're giving you everything they have. And so I definitely wanted to highlight Cody Schrader here again and hold my beer because I think that's a player and that's a team in Mizzou that deserves to be talked about as a LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee teams trying to get to the top. Now, LSU went to Atlanta last year and they've won national championships. I'm just talking about like within the last couple of seasons, you sit right there in Alabama in the West, Georgia in the East, and you're trying to get to that level. LSU figured it out last year, trying to do it again in a couple of weeks. But you know what I'm saying? Like Mizzou feels like they're more of that than they are maybe of Kentucky, which we love, but they haven't been able to get close to knocking on that, on that championship door. Yeah, I think for Kentucky, it's been the last couple of years that they've missed. They've had something missing. Last year it was the offensive line that really was their Achilles heel. This year it's the passing game. You know, I think you look at Missouri, they are complete, you know, in terms of what they can do. They have a, a superstar quarterback that is really consistent. It doesn't turn the ball over. They have a physical run game. They have an offensive line that's that's physical up front. Yeah. The receivers, it's a, a superstar with a compliment of really talented people around him. And then defensively, you know, just that uh, stout front seven that they have with a pair of really good cornerbacks. I don't, I, I as I'm talking about, it, I'm getting excited because they're, I don't see a lot of, there's not a lot of holes on that Missouri uh, no. depth chart, really. I mean, where, where, you know, and, yeah. and I think it's something that separates them. They're getting like big recruits off of this and it's a unique recruiting area. They're the only school there in that area. And, and St. Louis plays great high school football. And now they've got the number two, I believe, and we talked about this earlier today, number two overall ranked player committed to them. Remember the videos whenever it happened and drinks like basically jumping into the arms of his assistant coaches? Like that's that kind of guy. And they're getting that guy. Yep. At, yep. at, at a place like Mizzou. So, uh, you know, Remember, shout out to them. Heading into the season, there were people that were saying that drink was on the hot seat despite getting a oh, contract yeah. extension. Like the most ridiculous statements and he's uh, certainly proved them wrong already exceeded the the win total that uh he, his previous high you know they've gotten the bowl games yeah. the last three years but they've only won six games in each of those seasons now uh they're already at seven and we haven't even turned the calendar to november yet yeah seven and one and right now a couple of opportunities certainly to win games and be surprised if they didn't win those games all right let's go to last call but like we do all the time before we go to last call, I want to remind you about our friends over at Richard's Honda. Richard's Honda 
Bluechew.com is the website. And no matter what you're looking for, no matter what your lifestyle calls for, maybe you need a van, maybe you need a full-size SUV, maybe you need a mid-size SUV, maybe it's a truck, sedan, whatever it is, they have got you covered. And the website, incredibly easy to navigate, richardshonda.com, Richard Honda, home of the warm and fuzzy feeling. All right, CD, let's go to last call. Something you saw from a week ago that has maybe stood out to you more than anything, or or CD, it can be something to this point in the season as we get ready for week number nine. One final thought on something you want to do before we move on to the pre-gaming portion of, you guessed it, pre-gaming the SEC. Yeah, I want to go back. I feel like maybe the most under-talked-about story last week and maybe for the entire season is Ole Miss. Ole Miss sits here with one loss. They lost to Alabama in Tuscaloosa. They've handled their their business. It may not be the most flashy display of handling their business, but they're a team that's in the race that's going to be cheering their ass off for LSU coming up in another week. So, you know, this is <laughs> this is an opportunity for for Ole Miss to take that next step. And I thought the game in Jordan Hare, albeit against an Auburn team that's under under talented and 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 is in the process of of being built by Hugh Freeze um that's a tough place to play i mean look no further than the way that georgia went there and struggled this could have been a potential pitfall that would have had people saying i see yep Ole miss is a a, a cute story but they're never going to really win important games this was not a a top 25 opponent that they were playing but it's one that they needed to have to continue to legitimize their program they stay in the one loss category they go and, and pull away in the second half behind a big run game it feels like they're getting that 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 mo back they're a, a run first football team feels like they're starting to figure that out with quinchon judkins and and ulysses bentley um jackson dart back to being healthy again contributing on the ground too yeah. and their defense is a lot better i mean pete golding has done a nice job outside of the lsu game where you know it was a track meet i think the Ole Miss defense is much improved and they're going to have a big say in what happens in this conference down the stretch looking at their schedule it's yeah. very manageable with that that trip to to Athens being the the real focal point, and uh, I'm just interested to see what they can do to a Georgia team that's going to be coming off back to back games against Florida and Missouri. It is a situation where they could show up to Atlanta for the first time, and so everything right there in front of them. And so, I actually, I do agree with you in the fact that they've got things on the defensive side figured out. I think more than people are giving them credit for. Let's call it like it is. Like sometimes we lose sight of this. Let's also know who they were going against. Yeah. An LSU offense that's put up generational type numbers. Yeah. Just like with point. like with LSU's defense, like it's not great by any means, but where they struggle the most, Missouri and Ole Miss's offenses are pretty yeah. damn good. Yeah. Right. They shut down the bad defense uh, offenses in Mississippi State and Auburn. So I think there's a, a middle ground for LSU, but even more so for Ole Miss. Like if LSU and Jaden Daniels had one loss. He'd be the Heisman front runner, and it wouldn't really be close. Yeah, Jaden Daniels right now has over 500 yards more of total offense than Michael Penix Jr. and 10 more touchdowns. 10, not two, 10 more touchdowns total than Michael Penix Jr. And Michael Penix Jr. has been a stud all season long. And also, JD5 has one less turnover than Michael Penix. And so that's that's the kind of offense that you struggle with and got into a track meet with. I mean, I think that LSU offense is special. And so I do think that this Ole Miss defense is being graded off that game more than the totality of the season. Would you agree? That's a good point. I I do think so. And I I think 
you know, going back to that second half of the Missouri game, they've been much improved. They've been they, they created that that interception of uh, Brady Cook to break that long 365 straight passes without an interception yeah. streak. Uh, and then they they held Missouri to only two scoring drives in the second half of that game. Uh, and, and and since then, you know, they've been pretty much lights out, albeit against less talented offenses in Auburn and Army. But I do feel like they're making some strides. And part of improving is just confidence. And I think the defense has gained some confidence in maybe um, taking advantage of some lesser opponents the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the yellow shoe defense kind of get away real quick is going to match up when we get in to that game. I know we won't this week, obviously with it not on the schedule, but in two weeks, LSU versus Alabama, LSU down right now to three freshman corners. Mm. That's what they have available. And Sage Ryan, who's a converted safety, they no no Denver Harris, no Deuce Chestnut, who they brought in from AM and Syracuse, JK Johnson from Ohio State. He's not played this season. He's been out. Uh Ty Alexander Southeastern transfer, Southeastern Louisiana. He gets hurt intercepting a ball against Army last week. CD, man, I as much as that offense can score, I I don't know that you can face any team and feel good about going into it with a converted safety and three freshmen at corner. No, no. I mean, that is certainly a concerning uh, point as we look forward throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, we, we talked about uh, the matchup between LSU and Alabama. I – I don't know that anybody in the country can score with LSU. I mean, even if you're getting into the shootout, like I'm not sure Alabama doesn't maybe fall short of, of that, you know, in, in terms of trying to match score for score with Jaden Daniels. I, I, I don't think it's a great matchup. So at least if you're going to have the youth that they have at, at the corner positions, you have an eraser in Jaden Daniels and an offense that can score quickly. All right. Um, last call for me. Sometimes in this business, like, I don't want to be right. And I mean that. You know me. I, I do think there's people in our business that they only want to champion for when they were right. I actually hate that. I yeah. think that you need to kind of have full disclosure. It's why I do right, wrong, and indifferent, because I want to tell you what we got wrong and, and where this team deserves credit, because we said this about them. Good good or bad, like, you got to point out, in my opinion, you got to point out where you were wrong and not always when you're right. So I don't want this to sound like, oh, look at me, I was right. But unfortunately, I was right on Arkansas. SEC Media Day, I picked them dead last in the SEC West. And when I started telling people that, I got some looks. And some some of our great friends in this business, oh, KJ Jerison, like, you know, Rocket Sanders, yeah. dead last. I'm like, there's just, there's a disconnect there. I I, I don't love the offensive coordinator. Dan Enos, hmm. Dan Enos yeah. has been good when he's had elite talent. He's getting there late. Kendall Browse leaves, and then Loggins, who probably would have been the OC, well, he gets scooped up by South Carolina. Like, where are you at as far as your option? Dan Enos has been a couple of places. He's been recycled to the SEC. That just, to me, does not scream good fit, and it hasn't. And what we saw on Saturday, and credit to Zach Arnett and Mississippi State because they held them to three points, that was one of the poorest offensive game plans I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Just straight up. One of the yep. worst I've I've seen. And if I'm an Arkansas fan, like change had to be made and Danius had to go. It just it had to happen because it had gotten worse every game. Like for as good as you you looked against LSU and some others, like it just continued. There was no rhyme. There was no reason. 
And I hate the fact that I was right on Arkansas because Sam Pittman is one of our favorites in the league. We get a chance. So when we say that, and you probably like, y'all say that about a lot of coaches. We do because very for us, it is a very fortunate thing that we get to be around these coaches. We get a chance to know them really on a personal level. And one of them, my favorite trip, that we and, and we cover a lot of great events. It's Destin. It's yep. SEC spring meetings. It yep. is Destin, Florida. It is we get the coaches as human beings and not football coaches. And so Sam Pittman, gracious with his time. When we have our little mixer, he will sit right there and talk football with us for as long as we want him to sit there and talk football. I think Sam Pittman has a spot in college football but it has not worked in Fayetteville. And CD, I hate it. I Hold hate it, it oh, but I don't oh, think he's going to – I don't know that he's going to be there much longer. You're saying it doesn't – you you don't feel like it's worked since he's taken over or it's not working this year? Because I, I, I think a lot of it goes uh, back year, to what you said. It I don't think it works. Worked. I don't think it works this year, but I'm afraid from some of the chatter that we're hearing that he's going to be out of town. What yeah. do you think? I, well, I, I mean, I, I think the Dan Enos hire, unfortunately, has been you know the anchor that's that's dragged him down to this point where he is. Uh, I, I I hope that it serves as insulation, you know, getting rid of Enos and and maybe you know finishing the season with a little bit of hope. But I I I would have said that hey, I'm not firing a guy that that the players have played hard, hard for that that are going out there and and being competitive in their games, and then they go out and play like that on Saturday against Mississippi State, a home game. Um, it just felt very reminiscent of some of those. Games that uh, late in Chad Morris's time there in yeah. Fayetteville, where they're losing to San Jose State, North Texas, and and those those folks that Western Kentucky that it, it, apathy started to set in. And I've said this before, but apathy is the worst. Apathy is worse than anger when when folks just don't care anymore at all. And it felt like a lot of people in that stadium didn't care. That's a bad mm-hmm. sign. It is a very very bad sign. And again, I hope that. He gets another opportunity. I hope he gets a chance to bring somebody in because I, this is my belief. I don't have sources. I don't have inside information. I feel like Dow Loggins would have been the OC and then South Carolina scooped him up and then Kendall Browse ends up at TCU. And it was a little bit of a, okay, we don't want to maybe go bold this late in the process. Let's go get someone who's been in the league, had some success in the league, done some things at Maryland and I feel like it can be a safe play. And yeah, is that disrespectful to Danny knows probably so. And it's, I'm not trying to be, I just think in this league at this moment, it was not the best fit. And it felt like the safe play instead of the play that they probably needed to make because they felt like they were at the 11th hour and needed a dance partner on the dance floor. If, if it makes uh adding insult injury, um, their schedule does not get any easier down the stretch with what they have to play the rest of the way. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then uh, Hunter Eurocheck, one of the best athletic directors around. So trust him to make a uh, a good decision there. All right. That is going to do it for last call. Before we get to the pre-gaming portion of pre-gaming the SEC, I want to remind you about our friends over at Blue Delta Jeans, bluedeltajeans.com. And this is where you go for that custom fit. Nothing feels as good as custom fits. We tell you that all the time, and they've got all of their fall specials going on right now. This Blue Delta Jeans, your pants, your measurements, bluedeltajeans.com. 
All right, very excited to welcome on this week's guest to pre-gaming the SEC, week number nine here in the SEC, and that is someone who is the SEC passing touchdown leader, the SEC career passing yards leader. He is more thankful that Mississippi State changed their offense, and it's now a bad <laughs> offense more than anybody in this country, and that is our guy Aaron Murray, who you can also hear right here on Channel 374, SEC Radio, and over on Snaps with our boy T-Bob A. Barron. He just did a game last night as well. Aaron, uh, you got more jobs than I think we do, which is hard to yeah, do. Yeah, way, way too many jobs, according to my wife. And uh, I tell you what, guys, like, I know there's only seven points on the board last week for Mississippi State, but that offense looked electric. Mike Wright was moving it. I mean, I think they should do it the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Yeah, Keep yeah. him in the game. Be honest. Be honest. When you watched <laughs> LSU versus Mississippi State earlier this year, how grateful were you that – this is now an offense that has no uh, clue who they are. <laughs> and I like Will. I think, I don't know if you guys have been around him at all, but yeah. he, he's a great kid. I, I want to cheer for, I not, not I want to, I do cheer for him. Like I have no ill will. I'm just more upset about the COVID free year. That's yes. all I care about. Yes. Like, the fact that you get a fifth year to, to pad your stats and, and, and play more games when like, that's not what it is intended for. You're signed a four year essentially contract with the university and now you're going to get a fifth year to break record. So, listen, if he does break them, I'm just saying there needs to be an asterisk by it that, hey, he he got this record in five years of playing yeah. football, not I always four say, like you're supposed to. Yeah, let's talk about it like per game. I think it would be better that way because, you know, that when I was playing, man, we only had 11 regular season games. They wouldn't count the bowl games towards our career stats. Now mm -hmm. these guys will play 14 and 15 games if they go all yeah. the way, and they're counting, you know, the, the extra years. Would you have – CD, what would you have? Would you solve the record if they had bowl games? No, 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 no. Yeah. See, that would that, that would have been a, a nice argument. I was gonna leave that part out, but um <laughs> yeah, wait, I, were you not catching touchdowns in bowl games? I mean, I know Nebraska know, scored a lot of touchdowns. You didn't get any? I had eight for 125, but never got in the end oh. of that game. Hmm. But so you're I did you're, leave the part you're, out that I you're was, a guy that's a 20 you know, 20 to 20 player. You're Derek Carr, basically. That's But that wasn't my whole wow. career, man. I was more like a, a red zone <laughs> kind of guy. So I didn't oh. get that in the bowl games. But, hey, it is a weird <laughs> feeling, though, isn't it? Like, when Devontae Smith was tracing the record, I was like, man, this is awesome. I'm happy for him. But at the same time, you know, I held that record for 25 years. There's something mm -hmm. kind of weird about not being able to say you caught more touchdowns than anybody else in the yeah. whole conference before. Look, but yeah. you can also, you can make a record sound like however you wanted to. Like if I want to, I can be like, hey, you know what? I'm the last fullback to rush for a thousand yards in the SEC, even though I did it from tailback. But nobody uh, really, you, you know, they don't question that. They're like, oh yeah, you play fullback. Sure. Just make it what you <laughs> want to make it. And CD, it's, it, you can still say for for the University of Florida, which is an incredible tradition, so like that—that's just. I, I do have thing. that record. You yeah. do have that record, and I and I feel pretty confident that I'll have the at least all the passing records for the University of Georgia for a long time. That that's because, true. Like, I mean, for, when it comes to quarterbacking, like yeah, there's extra games, but you have to stay four years. Yeah, you have to stay four years, and you have to be able to not just stay four years, but you have to play for four, you know, start, start four for years. four years. Yeah, and and in today's game nowadays, guys are moving all over the place, like. If you're good enough to play early and you're going to be setting records, like, listen, I, I could have left. Like, I'm not, I'm not like this incredible pro prospect. I'm like six foot, six foot one. I have good arm strength. I'm accurate. I take, I'm smart, like all that. Like, I'm not this big, giant, big arm, fast kid. But after my junior year, it was a pretty weak draft class. It was like EJ, Gino, um, maybe Klein, I think from Kansas State, but he was more of a runner. Like, there wasn't a lot of guys. Like, I, 
deep down inside, I'm like, I, I should probably go because there's only a handful of quarterbacks that are going to get drafted. But I just lost an a, a SEC championship game by four yards yeah. and was four yards away from going to a natty. Like, it's kind of hard to leave that situation mm-hmm. and, and, and not come back and give it one more go. Came back for the fourth year, obviously put up some 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 good stats and got the records. But that's what it takes. But most guys, if you're good enough to get to that 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 number, you're probably leaving after three years anyways. So you, I feel pretty good. Do you regret not leaving or, or was that last year somewhat fulfilling enough to overcome mm-hmm. maybe the coulda, shoulda, woulda? A little bit because not only did we not win the next year, I also tore my ACL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go into the whole draft process as, you know, a guy that that was already going to be fighting the you're only six foot, you don't have elite arm strength. And now I can't, you know, prove myself at the senior bowl. I can't go to the combine. I can't, yeah. you know, you know, do I did like a, a, a half ass uh, pro day. So I, I didn't have the chance to really prove scouts that I could do this, this, this and this. And, you know, listen, I still got drafted in the fifth round. So like I, I got drafted, I had opportunity and. Had a, you know had my cup of coffee in the league for three years, but I would say like if I if I would go back, you know I'm torn because like your senior year, you guys know like it's a special time, yeah, and yeah. and I love the moment, I love senior night, I love you know all that, but I think from a business standpoint, it probably would have been smarter because you look at the draft class that I came out in, Blake Bortles, uh, Manzel, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr. Uh, AJ McCarron, Matt, like, and uh, Logan Thomas, Tom Savage. I mean, it was a loaded draft class. Mm-hmm. So you look at that draft class, which had like 10 plus drafted compared to the year before, probably would yeah. be a lot smarter to, to leave that year. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question about who's smarter because I've been told so many different things from Doring about Florida, Georgia, or Georgia, Florida. What's the smart way to say that? Well, obviously, if you went to, the one of the universities you use that name first. So like if you went to Florida, you're going to call it Florida, Georgia. Okay. What about, Georgia. what about me though? What about an LSU no. guy? I always tell, and I, 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 I've told, you know, our, our mutual co-host T-Bob this a million times and he just still loves to mess it up. It, it goes to the team that won the year before. That's my opinion. So like, if you're an outsider, if you didn't go to one mm-hmm. of the universities, it is called what the previous team wanted by first. So last year, Georgia won. So it should be Georgia, Florida to those outsiders. We were told yesterday by Andy Staples that a neutral site game goes alphabetically, so it should always be Florida. Uh, no, no, hey, where did Andy Staples play college football? Yeah, he played Florida. Played in Florida, mm. but he's so smart. Mm. Have you seen some of his columns? How smart he is! I mean, yeah, he, that he guy is would know. Like, he, he's it, way it too smart. Yeah, it is the number two, uh, you know, academic school in the SEC. So you, you got that too, and I'll give you that one. <laughs> number one public university in the country, Aaron. Come on, wow. Yeah, how about that? Um, my college is, or my university, I should say, is uh, not that. But you know what? Uh, I got a degree hey, and everything. C- got a piece CD, of paper. CD, you appreciate this. I remember when I was getting recruited, there was an article that came out that 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 said. LSU should be banned from all D1 sports because of how bad the academics are. No lie. And my mom saw that and said, we're not going on this visit. Like, we are, like that canceled was one of the schools I was going to go visit. My mom canceled the visit. She goes, you're not going there. Let's not waste our time. But I was like, wasn't wow. that a reflection of like the public school system as well? Doesn't everybody go to private school in Louisiana, Hess? 
Um, a lot of people do. Yeah, a lot of people go to private school. Uh, my children go to public school here at the lab school. Not, hold on, no, yeah, not public school. It's, a, it's, it's public the school. If you charter, if you get state funding, you can't be a private school. But it's still it's part of the university. Yeah, it's actually part of it's yeah. actually so. Aaron, my kids go to University Lab that's on LSU's campus. CD that's went sweet. to PK Young, which is on Florida's campus. It's sweet. Yeah. So, all right, let, let's go back. We're, we're talking Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida. <laughs> I, I love the fact that you're from right down the road. You know, I've talked about before, mm-hmm. you know, all the people that you knew that that uh, were Florida folks. You went to, to Florida games growing up. Like, what is your first memory of Florida, Georgia, from the perspective of, of being a fan? Uh, just watching it. Like, I never went to the game as as a uh, as a fan. You know, I just watched it at home. And, and and to be honest, like I wasn't like a major college football fan growing up. I was more of a, a pro football fan. So I, I we had season tickets to the Bucks. Like so, I went to a lot of Buccaneers games. You know, Tampa's not really a college town. So you know, we got the Rays, we got the Bolts, we got the Bucks. Like that's that's the big focus. Uh, but you know, I would watch the game every now and then. Uh, one of the ones that really set you know stand out to my mind. This was before I committed. Was the the, the and I talked to Noshan about this the other night. The Noshan leap, where Noshan jumped in the end zone, and yeah. you know Georgia, yeah. you know, rushed the field. That was my one big memory of of as a fan, pre-commitment and really being recruited of of that rivalry and how kind of cool it was. You kind of watched it sparingly there here and there, but like growing up in Tampa, man, I went to a lot of. If I did go to football games, college football games, I went to Florida games. Mm-hmm. My uncle was a bull gator. He's a big donor. Um, he went to Florida undergrad. He went to Florida law. So we would have tickets like at the 50 yard line, like two or three rows up. So like I was there having a blast when I would go and just loved, loved every moment about it. You know, I remember my uh, first time going to a bar illegally was there at the swamp in Gainesville after a game. Uh, and I don't think I'm gonna get my dad in trouble because it's been yeah, over 10 years. Oh, statue yeah. limitations yeah. way but, over. Yeah. Well, I remember him, him looking at my brother and being like, <clears throat> it was, it was us and, and my uncle. So it was us four boys and him saying, <laughs> Hey Josh, your brother looks enough like you. Let's see if we can get him into the bar with us. I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and uh, we got in and, and we had a blast. So, uh, yeah, like even How watching old that you game at that point, sixteen, seventeen, probably seventeen, probably fifteen or sixteen. Oh, my yeah. brother's six years old. I was trying me. to help you out. So he's oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I somewhere mean, like there, dude. The visuals of going to a, a, a oh, campus yeah. in the SEC on a Saturday, yeah. especially the swamp. Oh. I mean, that mm. had to be amazing. I was, I was, I was. So I had a Florida game a month ago, and I remember it was Friday. I was just walking around campus, and I called my dad. And he's like, he's you know just talking. I was like, hey, I just walked by the uh, the crime scene. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, "Well, you illegally got me into a bar when I was well underage." <laughs> hey, it's sad, isn't it, with the whole place being completely changed? The swamp I know, restaurant looks great. Gone? It's terrible, man. It looks great. Um, but yeah, were like, you close listen, to becoming like, a Gator? I mean, like, I, I, I've never asked you that. I mean, being from the state of Florida, going to Florida games growing up, you like, loved Dan the, Mullen, right? What was I the quarterback situation? Mullen. Well, the quarterback situation was stacked. Like that, that went to the equation. I mean, I went yeah. to meetings. It was Tebow, it was Brantley, it was Cam. You know, this mm-hmm. was, you know, I committed before Cam got dismissed from the football team. So they were pretty loaded. They were, you know, obviously you, you look at Tebow and Cam, and I'm like, man, I don't really look like those dudes. Right. And, the and they were young. Too. And obviously Brantley was a, a highly recruited kid mm-hmm. too. You looked at George and it was kind of Stafford. You knew Stafford was going to be three and done. And then they had Joe Cox and Logan Gray, who was kind of a, you know. Was Tara there already? No, T was out. 
two years before I got there, or three years before I got there. Okay, so it wasn't really a old deep I am compared to y'all or you, not CD. <laughs> He's <me>. real old. <laughs> I I do say this. It was one of those things too, where I felt like it was the expectation that I was going to go to Florida. I was the number one quarterback in the state. I was mm. the number two quarterback in the country. Um, got the offer. So you kind of got the blessing from urban of like, you're going to be our next guy. You're from the state, blah, 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 blah. And I think part of it deep downside was like me kind of say like, no, like I'm not going to do what everyone else just wants me to do. I'm not yeah. going to do what everyone expects me to do. Like, you know, I, it was a coin flip. I love both universities and, and it was really tough for me. And obviously my, my, you know, being in Tampa and, you know, making life a little bit harder for my parents, I'm sure they would have loved for me just to stick home to in Gainesville. But I don't know, Meg. It's like kind of that. I'm sure you guys have moments too, like that being want to be rebellious somewhat of mm-hmm. like, screw everyone. I'm going to forge my own path, and that means I'm going to leave the state and go to Georgia. You know, your 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 uncle's a a a Florida undergrad, went to Florida Law, uh, Bull Gator, the highest donor level there is at the University of Florida. Did he wear red and black when he'd come to watch the the Florida Georgia game? No, 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 because he, <laughs> he would sit on the Florida side. You know, he, he wasn't really? going to sit on the Georgia. Oh, yeah, he would sit on the Florida side. He sat with all of his buddies that he went to school with. And they, no, he was not going to come to the Georgia side and, 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 uh, and put on the red and black. But I mean, when he came to Athens, like yeah. they, they came to a handful of games in Athens and he would wear Georgia mm-hmm. gear in, on campus. But no, in that game, him and my aunt, they sat on the Florida side. That's funny. I mean, so I'll, I'll tell you, so like, I mean, sometimes like, you know, college colors, they run deep. I went yeah. on a visit to Texas A&M and my older brother, diehard Texas fan. I mean, went to Mac Brown football camp and was just eating up with Longhorns. He wore the biggest Texas starter jacket he possibly could find on my official visit to Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. Like oh. he just wasn't going to have anything of it. And my mom and dad were so mad, but he's like, look, if you want me there, I'm going to wear this loud burn orange starter jacket. So I, some of like now a part of me kind of appreciates that. I'll tell you this. When I was in Gainesville for the game about a month ago, I think it was the first time I've been there on campus for a game. And like, since I was maybe in high school, mm-hmm. those are some hideous colors, <laughs> that combination. Just going to be honest. No, we oh. towards Gators. Oh, but like wow. blue and orange together just does not look good. I'll say this though. The, it does the, not red, look red good on black people. looks great together, especially with yes. go, girls going out looking good. I mean, I, I, yes. the, the, the floor, uh, the Georgia co-ed outfit situation is top notch. I will say that. I mean, you're not even going to defend your together. color combination CD. Orange is a tough one to pull off blue. I, Very I, tough. I, I like the blue, yes. you know, predominantly mm-hmm. blue color, um, you know, being the, the main one in the uh, outfits, mm. but I, how, how cool is that though? Let, let's talk about, your first, you said you didn't go to any of the Florida Georgia games in Jacksonville when you were growing up. So your first appearance there, you're coming over the bridge. You're looking at the whole scene down there, man. What what were your memories of of that first initial view of what this you're about to walk into? Well, this is it's crazy. It, it just it, it it is unbelievable when you go over that bridge and you because it's hard to to think about what you're about to witness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking like a, just a normal uh, tailgate situation. Yeah. And as soon as you kind of start creeping over that bridge and you get that first peek at the stadium and, and all the tailgating going on, all you see is just tents. I just remember mm-hmm. seeing tents and RVs everywhere of, you know, red and black over here, orange and blue over here, RVs, RVs, RVs. I mean, it, it was just a, it was a massive party. That's always, it was a massive party. And I've, you know, I've been as a fan since and and, and have uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time in Jacksonville, not having to play. It's, it's, it's an absolute blast, but it's a really cool site. And, and, 
you know, then when you get in the stadium, like I will always remember, you know, cause I have a unique vantage point of like, I get up to, to, you know, under the center and I'm, I'm looking up, yeah. trying to look at the safeties, all that. I'm right in the middle of the field and I'm right in the middle of that 50, 50 split down the middle, which mm-hmm. I do like better than the Oklahoma, Texas split, you know, at the 50 yard line. It used to be that way. It used to be quarters when I was playing. Was it? It was, yeah. It was a fourth, a fourth, a fourth and a fourth. That's interesting. I, I like the way it is now because yeah. I always feel like there's great energy in the stadium, no matter what. And I'm telling you, like looking up for the first time and seeing that divide right down the middle of the goalpost, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Which mm-hmm. like, you, you you know, I don't know what your, your take on the whole thing is, but I know Kirby has been pretty adamant about wanting to, to make this a game that that's in Athens and Gainesville home and home back and forth. To me, when I was being recruited, that was a, a sale to me. Like the fact that I got yeah. to play in a pro stadium yeah. and 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 a, you know, one of three environments in college football that have that atmosphere, and only two of them that do it the way. I don't think I don't know if Army Navy how they do their no. So uh, Army Navy, it actually like you got the midshipmen and the cadets, but everybody else is kind of there, Aaron, just like because it's a bucket yeah. list item. Like they're not really yes. cheering on either school, so it's not. I went to Texas and Oklahoma this year for the first time. Incredible. Like f- more 50 mm-hmm. 50 splits. Like any way we can find a way to do that. So you're one of two. You're one of two yeah. that does it. I, I don't know what, what Arkansas and AM, what that looks like in JR World, but I don't think it's the 50 50 no. split. So, like being a part of that to me was a big factor of like why I wanted to go to one of those two schools. So I, I wouldn't change it, man. Like, see, do you know it? I know it was a little bit different. Like you talked about the seating. It is such a special environment mm-hmm. that I, I hope it always stays in Jacksonville. Well, I, I can tell you this from a firsthand experience. I played two years in Jacksonville. My junior year, we played y'all in Gainesville. My senior year, we went to Athens because they were redoing the stadium in mm-hmm. anticipation of the Jags. And, and uh, man, it was fun. It was novel to get to go play there and have y'all come to our place. But it feels like every other home game. And, and what makes this one so special is that it stands out with all those things you've talked about. The Florida Georgia Hall of Fame is one of the coolest things to have a mm-hmm. Hall of Fame just for one game shows the importance of it. And um, all they got to do, Aaron, is just let's just change the recruiting rules. Let's designate one team a home team every year. They can have the the yeah. the, the, the numbers. Like why why are we going to try to take away with with as much as changing in college football as is? Mm-hmm. Why would we? get away from one of the, the great longstanding traditions of this conference. Well, and I, I don't even know if it's going to the game. I think f- f- Kirby's big argument is I want kids on campus. I want another weekend where I can bring kids in on Friday, you know, show them the facilities, take them to dinner, downtown Athens, you know, walk them around the campus Saturday. You have to feel like the environment of being on campus for a game day, but hell man, like you look at Georgia's schedule like this year. And I know it's not always going to be like this. You have seven home games. Yeah. I didn't know they had an away game this year. Yeah, like eight, seven home games. <laughs> and you guys, you guys have You're a fine. big presence in in North Florida. Like there, there, yes. there's a, I mean Carson Beck, a guy right out of Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I would imagine getting mm-hmm. to come down and play in that area is a big draw for people in that part of the state that might be recruits you're trying Nick to target. Saban went to Tampa to go play USF on the yeah. road. That tells you yeah. what you need to know about playing games. LSU plays in – LSU is about to play Rice in Houston because <laughs> Houston's such a big base for LSU where they get recruits and donors. Yep. If it makes sense, it makes sense. Yeah, I don't think it will. I think there's enough people – I know Kirby has a lot of pull. Like when you win back-to-back national champ, champ championships – you, you, you people listen to what you want, but I think that majority of Georgia fans, and it's a whole experience too. Like I'm getting, like I, I, I had my game on Wednesday night, so I was like, the, you know, 
trying to figure out, did I want to go to Jacksonville for the weekend or not? And I mean, I'm just so beat at the moment, three games in eight days. I'm like, yeah. I just want a weekend where I'm not traveling and sitting on my couch watching football. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have buddies text me like, hey, we're going to fly down to St. Simons. We're going to go golfing on Wednesday. Then we're going to go to this dinner and event on Thursday. Then we're going to go party on the beach on Friday. Then we're going to drive to Jacksonville on Saturday, then come back and then fly. With. And then the, the the fraternities and sororities, essentially, we're, we're recording this right now on Thursday afternoon. They're off school. This They're probably on the buses right now to mm-hmm. St. Simons to go party <laughs> on Fret Beach, have a great time. Tonight, tomorrow, and then go to the game on Saturday, then go back to Frat Beach, and then come back to Athens on Sunday. It's like it is just such an experience for everyone, and such a great tradition, like you brought up, CD. That I, I think the, the the masses are kind of saying, like, no, we want to stay in Jacksonville. Yeah. We like spending our weekends down there in South Georgia, then going over there across state lines. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, about an hour and a half away from Jacksonville. It's 85 degrees, and it's supposed to be the same way all weekend. Those folks are having mm. a, a great time on Frat Beach. Mm. I wish I was a part of Frat Beach, if we're being yes. honest. I mean, you know, that, that sounds amazing right Speedy, now. Speedy, you we don't d- have to tell us that. We know that. No. We know, CD. We're like never too old. If, Wait, you're going to ask, you're gonna ask Chris Beach. Doring if you're too old to go hang out and party? <laughs> You gotta know. You gotta know the audience here a little bit. I mean, I uh, should bring CD and my brother to Frat Beach. We have a good time. Oh, I love that. Oh, we gotta do that. Hey, two young ones though, man. I don't know if you could pull that one off yet. Um, hey, Aaron, CD's told me his record against Georgia about seven times already this week. We haven't asked you what was your record against Florida. What was it? Five and zero, man. We I'll count the the red shirt year too. So five and zero. I'm not gonna count the red shirt year. I'm just gonna count the years I played. So three and one. Well, if you added the red shirt year, would it be three three and two? two. You know, (laughs) well, that was it was the first year. This was, and I I did a show with a a few of my buddies. So I always do like a Georgia, I do a weekly Georgia show with um, former Letterman. So it's myself, Noshan Moreno, Ben Jones, who's my starting center, uh, Tavares King, uh, and Brandon Boykin. And we were talking about that. It was my red shirt year. It's where we we came out in our normal uniform. Um, mm, and then we came yeah. back like 15 minutes before kickoff. And that was like our, our, the black helmets and yeah. black pants were laying in our locker room. So we're all like rushing to get ready and like trying to get all you know situated and this, that, and the other. And, you know, we go on the field and half the guys like helmets weren't fitting properly. The pants didn't fit right. Yeah, It was just an absolute mess. Boykin was saying like his visor kept falling off. It was an absolute nightmare. I'm not making any excuses. We just got our butt whooped. Like just, it was a massacre. Yeah. It was Tebow's that- last year. Wasn't that um? Who was the wrestler that uh played for you guys back in the day? The WWE guy. Oh, oh what, my what, gosh! Was he there? Like led y'all out or something? A, yeah, I think so. Uh, and it was just it was bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. And then obviously you know the fans want to blame the uniforms. It was the uniforms' fault. Which now that I'm here, like Boykin, he's like, yeah, my my visor literally kept falling apart in my helmet during the game. <laughs> he said, I just remember that first position trying to fix it, and all of a sudden Riley Cooper's mossing me in the end zone. <laughs> Good times. All right. So let, let's get into like this year's game, the matchup this year. Uh, you know, Georgia's still undefeated, still number one team in the country, but they've had two dog fights, South Carolina and Auburn. And this Florida team, even though they're not ranked, I think we do forget they're five and two. They're still a five mm-hmm. and two football team. The teams that they lost to a really good Utah team. And then Kentucky really is like a perfect storm for them in that game, how it started. So it's a good Florida team. It's not the best Florida team, but a good Florida team. How do you think it plays out on Saturday? Mm, 
I think it depends on 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 a couple things. I think it depends on can Florida run the football. You know, and I and I think people get confused with Georgia when they're like, oh, the D line's not that good, or the D line's not what it's been the past two years. But that's still a really good Georgia defensive front, and 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 and, and all you know in a t- tremendous defense. And I love the secondary. Like the secondary is the strength of this team, which is a little bit different than kind of how they've been built the past couple of years. But Florida. It's just been, I don't know, CD, it's, it feels like to me they've been so inconsistent running the football this yeah. year. You got two great running backs in Johnson and ETN. Uh, you got a quarterback that's been accurate. Like you, you you can get Eugene Wilson involved in unique ways, even in the run game as well. Like why are they not running the ball successfully? Like why can't this offensive line get the job done? So if like, if that part of the offense does come to life, then that to me that's a different ball game because Georgia's secondary, like I alluded to, that's the strength. So if Graham Mertz is in third and long situations, that's going to be a long day for this offense. But if you could get to a third and medium and, and run the ball effectively on first and second down, all of a sudden I think you have seen a quarterback that's done a good job of getting the ball out quick, finding his playmakers, letting Pearsall and Eugene do their thing and, 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 and the tight end as well. So that's going to be the key, first, second down success. Can you run the football for Florida? Don't get behind the chains. Um, and then flip over the other side for Florida, like if, if you can just keep everything in front, like I've been trying to tell people all week, like they get confused. I'm not saying that, that George is better without Brock Bowers. George has the opportunity to be more explosive because of now things are going to be more what Bobo is used to doing, running the football, play action passes, throwing the ball down the field. So young secondary and you have you know four Georgia receivers right now that are playing really well, especially with the conky back and a quarterback that's playing with a lot of confidence. Can you limit the explosive plays that Bobo is going to want to hit? All right, I want to uh, look at quarterback comparisons here, man. I, I as a Florida guy, when Graham Mertz made the announcement he was coming over through the portal from Wisconsin, I was not all that smoked up about it. I don't know a lot of people mm-hmm. here in the SEC had him probably in the bottom third of, of quarterbacks heading into the season, but I think if you re Looked at that now, you probably have him in the top five quarterbacks in the yeah. league based upon mm-hmm. how he's played. What, what are your thoughts and impressions of, of things that you've seen him do really well and things we didn't necessarily see him do at Wisconsin that he's now having an opportunity to, to do well at? Well, I'll admit I had him dead last in the SEC heading like my I did my, my preseason rankings of quarterbacks and he was you know number fourteen for me yeah and he's been a huge surprise to myself I think to Florida fans and mm-hmm. you know I remember when I sat down with the coaching staff when I had him um, earlier on the season they just kept raving about his work ethic and they have like this film study room walkthrough room there mm-hmm. in their new facility and and just the hours that they said that he was in there walking through pro- plays and uh, just just understood that this was his his next is a second shot to to re-identify who he was as a quarterback and he's taken the most of it so you know to me when i watch him accurate quarterback takes care of it i love their offense honestly like i love all the shifts and motions and you know he does a great job of of deciphering what the defense wants to do once they you know kind of get set in their final uh, positions um and he's taking care of the football so, like, you have a quarterback that's completing over 75% of his passes, only a couple interceptions on the season. It may not be flashy all the time, but it's been very efficient. Like, this should still be an offense that goes through the running game. He's been the strength, not the running game. So, I don't know what more you can ask from Graham Mertz, honestly. 
You know, the, the one of the things they talked about a lot in the uh, spring was like, we love this guy. He's so smart, as you talked about. He's a great leader. Mm-hmm. He can throw with great accuracy. But our offense is going to give him an opportunity to do things he didn't at Wisconsin, be in the shotgun more and yeah. be able to tag plays at the line of scrimmage that have some options that he didn't necessarily have control of at Wisconsin. Like, how much does being in the shotgun alone help you as a quarterback in terms of being able to – Maybe have a little extra time or see the field a little bit better or anything else that it might give you an advantage of. Well, and I would say this, he probably has significantly better receivers too. So yes. I think that also helps from, from where he was at Wisconsin. Um, I think that the, the uniqueness of the shotgun, and I thought it's not unique anymore, but you know, kind of when I was playing, we were, part, we, we were mostly a 21 personnel under center, yes, had too, the fullback, yeah. which shout out to Sam Houston and, and, and uh, UTEP last night, UTEP had a little fullback they kept putting in there, which I loved. Um, the, the, the quick game, it allows you to be more effective in the quick game. It allows you, especially nowadays with the RPOs and the bubble screens, like you wonder why I always set the parameter of like a good quarterback 10 years ago. Could you complete around 63% of your passes? Now, as a sudden you look at quarterbacks, like you got to complete 70% of your passes. Yeah. Why? Because everything's quick game and, and you're going to throw a lot of these offenses are going to throw at minimum five to, to seven to eight either bubbles or quick screens on the outside. Georgia does it too. Uh, you know, you have off coverage, boom, just get our, get our playmakers the ball in space as fast as you can and let them go out there and eat. And these quarterbacks have done a great job of being like middle infielders, short stop, second baseman, catching, ripping, turning, uh, and, and getting it out as quickly as they can, laces or no laces. So it just allows you to do so much more offensively in the quick game um, compared to like if you have to get the ball from under center, take a three-step drop or a quick five, it just even those plays are a little bit more long developing. Like you're not able to throw the bubble screen, you're not able to throw the quick screen on the outside. So I think it just gives you more options. And for for a team right now that's trying to play ball control in Florida, that's just trying to get the ball to playmakers like Eugene and Pearsall in space, it sets up nicely for a quarterback that's in gun that can get out of his hands. Now, Aaron, like normally, like on pregame in the SEC, we pregame and we talk about all the games coming up this weekend in the SEC. But when you look at the, uh, the slate, South Carolina at AM, and Mississippi State at Auburn, Vandy at Ole Miss, Tennessee at Kentucky, which could be a good game. And certainly the one we're talking about here in Jacksonville, there's not really ones that maybe could move the needle as far as championship aspirations. Uh, maybe Tennessee at Kentucky. So I want to kind of ask you like a totality question of the SEC, where you see it right now. Georgia, obviously, in the east right there, number one. Missouri right underneath them. And then you look over mm-hmm. in the west, and it's still very undecided with Ole Miss, LSU, and Alabama. But I want to ask you about Mizzou as they sit there because CD and I have been such big fans of Kentucky over the last couple of years. And it feels like Kentucky I gets know. to a point and they can't get over that point. Now, that point's mm-hmm. great, but they can't get over that point. I don't know why, but I feel like Mizzou can this year. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means losing to Georgia yes, you know and beating everybody else. You're saying that they've got a chance to beat Georgia. Where oh, no, I know. No, no. I think they do have a chance. But I'm saying they if Mizzou goes out there and they're 10-2, and two, C.D., I don't want to be disrespectful to say just because you lost to LSU and Georgia, you didn't break through that barrier. Yeah. I think this team's different, Aaron. I mean, I, I think Kirby mm-hmm. Moore, I think Blake Baker, two of the best young coordinators in football. Mm-hmm. You've got Brady Cook, receivers. I mean, running back. Like, you have everything. They're all young. Well, yeah. and, and they'll be back next year, too. Yeah, I remember that when you look at this offense. Like, a lot of those guys are going to be back on that side of the football and how much they've grown in a year. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but Brady Cook had a partially torn labrum last season. And, you know, I had an opportunity to sit down with the, you know, the coaching staff and, and Brady before the first game of the season. I had him. 
and and talk with him about that and and just how much more confidence he has as a thrower, how much stronger his arm feels with all the rehab he did this offseason. And he looks the part. And it was so funny because, you know, I was on the call for the game early in the season. And I'm you know talking about how good he looks and how smooth he looks. And I have all these Missouri fans just ripping me on social media. You're an idiot. You don't know quarterback play. We need to start Sam Horn. Sam Horn's our guy. You need to start talking good about Sam Horn. And I was at practice the day before. And I'm watching it. And Sam Horn's like 6'5", throws like a 95-mile-per-hour yeah. fastball, I guess. And I was like, you would have thought it was the other way around, throwing the football. Yeah. Sam Horn does not translate from baseball to throwing a football when it comes to arm strength. It was weird, 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 weird. It looked like Brady was the one that could pick up a baseball and throw it 95 miles per hour off the mound. So I, I've been really impressed by them, no doubt about it. Going back real quick, I was with you. I love Kentucky. And I thought Devin yeah. Leary was going to be an absolute stud. He's been, to me, the biggest disappointment oh, of anyone the biggest. in this SEC I mean, this year. Just missing by, I mean, missing throws Miles. that I feel like all three of us can make. Certainly Eric can make yeah. them, but just not even remotely close. Even the Georgia game, like, yeah, oh, yeah. they probably all, always would have been, you know, the score what it was. But, I mean, he had opportunities in that game. You got a guy mm -hmm. open, like, on a corner route, and you're throwing it three rows deep in the stands. Yeah. I was there. I mean, he, I was right there on the sideline. He almost hit me for goodness sakes. That's how far that ball was out of bounds. So, uh, yeah, he, that, that's been a disappointment, especially with those weapons. And I know they've been, you know, had some drops with, with, with you know, yeah. issues with drops here, or there, but man, he's just not looked good at all. Like, it was funny. Like we like, Oh my God, Kentucky won the, the transfer quarterback battle this off season sure. and Florida lost it. Yeah. You kind of wish that if you're a Kentucky yeah. fan, it would have been the opposite when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, the way he's played, but oh, Missouri has everything. You, know, you got a run game going right now with Schrader. Yeah. Brady Cook really hasn't run at all this season to last week. Yeah, you got you can't forget like that is one of the strengths of his game is able to run the football. I love all three receivers, um, and they got a good defense and they got some length on the back end too. Like their corners are long, and 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 I, I've said this all season too. Like no one is going to stop LSU. I don't even know if Alabama was going to be able to stop LSU. So like, I'm not even mad about that. LSU can put can pick a number and say, let's go get that number against almost anyone in the country. That's just a tough matchup for for most teams. And Missouri was leading for for yeah. you know, part of that game too. Let's not forget that. So, do they have a chance to beat Georgia? Hell yeah, they got a buy. They got two weeks to get right. Georgia's going to be coming off a rivalry game. We'll see what that game looks like this weekend. You're still without Brock Bowers. You almost beat him last year. Like. Yeah, 100% that, that that could happen in two weeks or, you know, I guess a week from now uh, in Athens, Georgia. We talk an awful lot about it. It's not who you play, but in what order you play them. Yeah. And this run that Georgia is about to embark on, Florida, Missouri at home against Ole Miss and then on the road against Tennessee. I don't remember a schedule for a contender with as many difficult successive week games in, in a row that Georgia has to face. Like when you look at it, do you think they make it through unscathed? I'm just glad that we have an outsider saying that because I've been having to deal with BS all year about the schedule so easy. And, you know, we give Georgia this easy schedule. What's going on? Um, and it did look a lot easier at the beginning of the season than what yeah. it is now. So, like, I, I'm glad that people are like, okay, well, I guess it's going to at least finish off strong for them. Yeah. It would be better if they drop one now and not the SEC championship because I think if Georgia loses one of those games, can't be Missouri, obviously, because the Missouri would be in control of, of going to Atlanta. But say they drop it to Ole Miss or Tennessee and still get, get to Atlanta and win that game, a 12 and 1 Georgia is going to most likely be in the playoffs, unless there's an undefeated Oklahoma 
Washington, Michigan, and FSU. But one of those teams yeah. is going to drop one at some point. So I think Georgia would get in and, and with, with even one loss, but you can't lose an SEC championship game. So I'd rather win now than later. Can they drop one? Yeah, of course they can. They've they've they've, they've played some close You're games. Dancing this year. around I think it. I want to know will they lose one? <laughs> I don't think so. I think the fact that they're home, like I, I'm not, I'm not sold on. I think Tennessee's a good defense and playing in Knoxville is a, a pain in the butt. But I think they'll be able to 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 uh, eliminate what they want to do offensively. And you know, Kirby, you look at what what Tennessee's been like for two years against Kirby's defense. They haven't been able to do anything at all. So I think Georgia wins that game and the other two games are at home. So the schedule does set up nicely for getting both Ole Miss and Missouri and Athens. So I'll say no, I think 12 and out. What about in the West? How does it play out in the West? Because obviously Alabama doesn't have a loss, but they still have to play LSU. Ole Miss actually plays Georgia, which is very, very intriguing. But if it all becomes a tie, if somehow it becomes a tie, then it goes to your East opponent record. And one, one one scale for Ole Miss has Georgia, but you got to go all the way down for Vanderbilt as their other East opponent. And so you start to look at Alabama's played Tennessee, and they're going to play Kentucky. LSU is Florida and Missouri. So even that, all of that's going to be you know extremely mm-hmm. close, depending on how that tiebreaker goes out. But still, a lot has to happen. Yeah, obviously, you said Ole Miss has to go into Athens and win that football game. Um, I think LSU comes out of it. I do. I think LSU comes out of it. And I don't know if it's just because I've been, uh, you know, picking LSU the entire season. I'm going to stick to my guns <laughs> or what. But I just it, – it's hard for me as someone who, who knows offenses and, and we've all seen elite offenses and what they can do to to think that that offense is going to be slowed down this year. Like even if they score in the mid to high 30s versus Alabama, and I don't care how bad LSU's defense is, I think Alabama is just kind of playing with fire right now on the offensive side of the football. Uh, you, you live and die by the three-pointer in basketball. They're living and dying by the explosive play on the offensive side of the football, and I just don't know if that's sustainable at all. Where I know LSU's offense is sustainable, their ability to push the ball down the field, you know, the running game now um, with with their backs, the the ability of obviously Jaden to run the football. I love the offensive yeah. line. So I, I think they go into Tuscaloosa in nine days, eight days from now and win that football game. And then from there, where well, they got like A and M, Florida and A and M left, Florida both at home. At home, yeah, the rest of the games are at home for LSU besides Tuscaloosa. Yeah, because so they've been me, on the road a bunch. Is, yeah, yeah. So I like LSU to be out of it, and I mean, I I think LSU is one of the best teams in the country. That offense scares the crap out of me. Like I don't, I I think they can, I, I think they could beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. It's just gonna be interesting if they do. Would you put an eleven and two LSU Tigers in 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 the playoffs? Yeah, well, is Alabama not the most difficult team to try to figure out this year? I mean, I, I saw so many holes that I thought were just going to be um, places that that would create some some stumbles for them, and they found a way to overcome. They find a way to overcome the penalties. They find a way to overcome mm-hmm. the mistakes. Like, I don't know whether or not Alabama's a really good team or not, but they somehow just keep winning despite what their yeah. challenges are. Yeah, I don't know either. I really that's what I'm saying. Like they. I love the fight. I love the the. I, I it's like the first time in my life. I told I think I told Cole this the other day. We we're doing our the series show. The first time in my life, like I actually not like say I'm cheering for Alabama, but like enjoy watching Alabama. It makes you like them, right? off. Yeah. yeah, they're likable. They're way more likable. So it, it just the, the the way Saban has been. Um, 
the way Milro was in that post game last week yep. with Jenny Dell, like you could yeah. just like it's hard not to sit back and like smile. Like mm-hmm. I got myself like smiling watching the post game interviews on the field. Like oh, I'm happy for them. It's because they have to I, they have to like dig deep and like find a way like you feel like you've had to do in your story. past. And it's like before yes. and because they you know had such good players, good coaching, all of that, mm-hmm. whatever, it just looked easy mm-hmm. for them. We know it's not easy, but it looked easy. And now like Milrose having to find a way, like there's pressure and he finds a way to get the ball off, and it's a touchdown mm-hmm. to Burton the other way. And so I think it's such a different version of Alabama. That's what makes you appreciate it. So I I I I I just don't believe that they can win a championship with with an offense that is so Jekyll and Hyde. I, I still think in today's game, you need an offense that's gonna have that that has the ability on a dime to say, okay, let's go score 40 points. There will be a game yeah. like that. Even Georgia's had to do that for the past couple of years too, where they've had games where they're like, okay, we gotta go. Defense doesn't have it today, we gotta go score 40. And and I don't know if if they can can do that just on a on a on a, a you know a flick of his wrist from from Jalen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to have to be the model. Meet. It feels like yeah. for LSU for sure, right? I mean, if you're LSU, you want well, that you game to turn meet. into a track meet. Mm-hmm. Which I think it can. Like I listen, I love Alabama's defense, but there's not there's not a team that has a, enough good DBs to be able to slow down three really good receivers and an accurate quarterback and you could say like hey play cover two and just get after the quarterback well Diggs is kicking butt Jaden's a great quarterback and a great runner and I and I think LSU is the best offensive line in the SEC so like if I'm LSU like fine just play two I will just run the ball to death against you all right man I'm gonna leave you with the most challenging task of the uh afternoon so far man rank the uh the teams in the SEC East, please. Rank the teams in the SEC East. <laughs> yeah. All right. Georgia, Missouri. Okay. Uh, Tennessee. The Tennessee oh, that lost to Florida a couple weeks ago. I know. That's why I was like, ooh, ooh. He ooh, was he ooh, was waiting ooh. for you. He was definitely it's waiting tough. for that. I'm one. telling you, it's tough. Every, I know it's tough. We'll have, I'll have a counter argument for. Yeah. Um, I'll stick with Tennessee, Florida. Kentucky, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. You saw what Kentucky did to Florida too, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's that three right there is just like a little, let's it's just tough. beat each other up and just make it really hard in the middle of the SEC yeah. East. Um, it, like if, if we would play those, like if we had a little round robin tournament this weekend of those three teams, I would still put my money on Tennessee to come out of it. Because of the defense. And I think that's the crazy part about it is like how good Tennessee is at home versus on the road. And maybe mm-hmm. the one solace that people will take if you're thinking well, about. Well, you said the same thing about Florida too. How good they are at home compared to on is, the road. Is this not been a much, like, I don't know that no. there's ever been a home field advantage that matter more than this season for the teams in the mm-hmm. SEC than, than what it has. Yeah. I'm just glad they finally got that one for South Carolina. I mean, I just wouldn't been, yeah. you know, kind of feeling it for Billy Napier if they lost that game. So kind yeah. of get that, you know, won a big game on the road. It is, that, you, so. it's amazing what beating a two win team will do for your fan base's optimism. <laughs> like, you know, a team that was up by 10 with less than five to go too. What do you think? Oh shit. Wait, because I know Georgia fans are like, Oh, it's Florida's five and two. And I like Florida. Like I've been trying to defend Florida to, to our boy T Bob this week because he's like they're not a good team. Like, no, they're a good team. Like, 
I think they're I not think I do believe they're they're heading in the right direction, but they have a horrendous end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, besides yeah. Arkansas at LSU at Missouri and then Florida State. They can I finish mean, one play, and four. I mean, and, yeah, you know, after being five and two, you finish six Jeez. and six for the third straight year. Uh, I don't know what mm-hmm. that does for your your your. your so the win for Georgia, if Georgia does win, may look good now, but in four weeks, you may be just saying like, "Oh, we beat a six and six football team." Yeah. Yep. It's a good thing for Georgia, and as as we get ready to wrap up today, it doesn't matter. All Georgia's got to do is win because of what they've done yes. the, the two years before that. Just win, and you're in. And so that's mm-hmm. when you're in the benefit of the Dow Club because you've earned it, then that's the luxury that you have. It doesn't matter six and six, five and seven, doesn't matter. All you have to do is win. All right, before we let you go, score prediction on Saturday, Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida, whatever y'all want to call it, what's the score at the end of the fourth quarter? 42-17, Georgia. Wow. 42-17. 42-17. Hey, Ooh. I will say this, though. I do R- think Rebuttal, the lock, CD? I mean, the lock, anything? The lock of the weekend is the over. The total is 47 and a half. I think that thing goes is it really over. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, too bad my 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 Bucky T-Bob, you know, it takes forever <laughs> to put my bets in. I'm still waiting for him to put my, my – uh, current bets in yeah. at the moment, and that may not hey, be happening. Look, anytime Aaron, soon. just text me when I'm next to T Bob in the morning, and I'll tell him because that's the only way that you're going to get that uh, done. I don't want to say, like, I feel like it's not that hard to pick up your phone and get on DraftKings and just put five bets in, right? It, right? Texting T Bob and getting a response is one of the hardest things I do in my life. That's good. He's got a bunch of kids running around, right? How many kids? Do uh, have? Look, he's got three. Okay, okay. I so mean, Hester has like ten yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk yeah. about like. Do you even have around. a twelve-passenger church van? No. Okay, point. then. Yeah, then we can talk to somebody else. Aaron, man, you're was, the man. Nothing was, mu- nothing was more entertaining than me walking into the LSU facility, what like a month and a half ago before I had their game, and up comes Hester and his giant van beeping at me. I was like, "Who is this <laughs> clown driving the giant <laughs> van yeah. over here?" Oh, it's Hester. That's right, baby. The Hester Mobile. Aaron, you're the man. We appreciate it. I know you just got home from a game, and you gave us almost an hour. So we always appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you guys. All right, man. All right, there he is, Aaron Murray, getting ready for this matchup in Jacksonville coming up on Saturday. It's going to do it for us here on Pre-Gaming the SEC Week number 9. Subscribe, like, do all that jazz on YouTube. We appreciate you listening here on SiriusXM, SEC Radio Channel 374. Enjoy the slate, and we'll see you for Week 10 of Pre-Gaming the SEC. Same time, same place.